Welcome back to the Neanderthals podcast. Today, I'm joined by my co-hosts Elias, Khushal, and our special guest Honey Barlow Marshall. Woo! Woo! Welcome, Welcome to the podcast, Honey. Thank you very much. How does it feel to be on the best podcast there has ever been? Absolute honour. Yeah, I know. I Good. Know. Okay. So, first thing I just wanted to say for like for people who don't know who Honey is. Why don't you just tell us a little bit more about yourself? Me? Yes. Oh, um, I'm Honey. Um, I'm from Dorset originally, and I am at Liverpool University doing PP with Wally. Um, and yeah, I'm 19. I think that's it. <laughs> and yes. she is also active in the Labour Party, surprisingly. I know when you heard the name Barlow Marshall and you heard the accent, you would have thought she was in the Conservative Party, but no, it's the other one, actually. So how are you finding that? Um, yeah, it's good. Um, I, I started being active in the Labour Party when I was 14. Um, oh, well, that's young, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's great you can get a Labour Party membership at 14. I got it for my birthday. <laughs> how, how do you even get a membership? Like, do you have to do certain things to actually get the membership? No, you just pay a month. Okay. And then you're a member. Um, my dad got me it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I went to my first like meeting in my constituency and I became a youth officer. Um, and then I think when I was 17, I became chair. Um, and then I think maybe a year ago I was became secretary um so that's like the top of it each constituency constituency has a like executive committee and there's like different roles on there yeah um so yeah i became secretary which i've just uh handed down <laughs> um but i was also i am also youth officer for the southwest oh. um so there's like a regional um, executive committee too what what's the end goal in politics the end goal i think is to be an mp Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'd vote for you to be honest so obviously i know honey from uni and i think more people like you need to be in politics to be honest like people who are genuinely good people and also competent as well yeah I, I, you know, a lot of people are put off by politics because of how Machiavellian it might be, how competitive, and it's like, you know, viewed as a very toxic field, right, mm -hmm. by many. What, like, was that one of your worries? Like, what got you into it, and what was your biggest worry when you got into politics? Um, I think people feel like politicians don't, like, actually represent them anymore. Like, I think a lot of young people are, like, not that fussed by, about voting because they're just, like oh, well, they're, like, they're not really like me and they don't really represent what I think, so. Why do you think that is? Um, <clears throat> I think... I think politicians are from, like, such a select group... Like, majority of politicians are from such a select, like, class group, especially, and don't really have an understanding of, like day-to-day -day problems that I think most people experience so I feel like a lot of people just and I think also a lot of people think that politics is like selfish and that people only say certain policy not because they're passionate about it but because it's convenient and it gives them 
Mm. It gives them something to argue about and it also like gives them a place of power. I think as well, politicians actually have these days like a negative reputation. Yeah, they do. But just, I think because mainly probably because of COVID, we saw a lot of politicians, we won't name names, but we know like the select few who essentially said that they would do things for the economy or deliver on certain policies and they just didn't deliver. And then I feel like a lot of people just extrapolate that out to all the politicians when I feel like that's a bit unfair. Yeah, I think politicians have a really bad rep as well. Like, I think I think people just think that all of them are, like, greedy and don't, like, stick to promises. Yeah. But also, I think that's, like, part of, like, how media depicts politics too, like... Yeah. It's less... I just feel like it's very situational, like, mm. descriptive of a whole party and not necessarily person to person. I wonder to what extent it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy if the media is constantly, you know, portraying politics as this, like, power game, right? Mm. Like, to what extent? Like, <laughs> why, why is my... Yeah, no, I think, personally, I think... Like, you know, when... If it, like, to what extent does it become a self-fulfilling prophecy? <laughs> like, if it's considered, like, a thing of, like, all oh, politics... You know, if you're a politician, it's like very corrupt industry. There's this quote that it says that power attracts the worst and corrupts the best. Yeah. But the thing is, if if we all are scared because we don't want to become corrupted or we don't want to be in the toxic environment, then who are we leaving, you know, the politics to? And I, what I admire about you is like, despite the negative reputation and everything, you are still willing to basically walk through the fire. And I, I'm very curious where that comes from, where that desire to get into politics and do well and change the narrative where that comes from um i think i think that um i think a power is selfish like and greedy regardless of like who you are like i think it is self-fulfilling it's like or you know it's that question like is it any good act ever selfless mm. and it's like doing good is selfish like it is. It makes you sleep at night, you know, like, oh, I've done a good thing, like, or, oh, I've campaigned about this and, like, made a difference to this person's life. It's like, it is selfish because as much as you've got a good outcome of something, like, it makes you feel better and you're like, oh, I feel like a good person, like, mm. I've done good. So I I just think that doing good um, and aspiring to do good is partly selfish. Like, that doesn't discount a positive outcome, but I mm. do think it is intentionally selfish which i i think is fine like it's got a good outcome yeah well um, that, that's actually kind of interesting so have you guys seen the mr beast stuff recently no so he built uh you saw that yeah. didn't you built like a hundred wells i think in africa and uh, people are actually criticizing him for it saying like oh he's trying to make charities look bad and he's just doing it to make himself look good but the thing is, let's say he is doing it to make himself look good. So what? He's, he's still, still helping. Exactly. He's still, still helping, helping those villages yeah. or exactly. the people. I don't get it. But yeah, I think I think um, <clears throat> outcome is is more important. But also, <clears throat> to be honest, I don't really know why um, I want to like campaign to try and make things better and like actually make things better. I don't. To be honest, I, I don't really know why. Um, because, like, also I grew up in, like, 
an incredibly wealthy area, like very safe, very lovely. Um, it wasn't like I really saw many people struggling, which I'm very for- fortunate for. But um, I'm not entirely sure. I think there's, I mean, like, I think we see a lot of injustice. Um, and maybe that motivated me. My dad is, my dad is quite political. Um, and he took me to my first labor meeting. <laughs> and then once he'd done the first meeting, it's like, yep, that's you, you deal with it now. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Now that's an admirable, like, especially people who are like, let's say, you know, we're in a privileged position. Like a lot of people are born in privileged position. They don't want to do good. They don't want to do the hard thing. Mm. Right. Even like the fact that like, you know, there's that common um, thing like when, when a rich kid does well in life, they're like, oh, he was born. He was rich, rich anyway. Yeah. So, but bro, he had so much comfort. Yeah. He had so much comfort. Like there's so many rich kids that get addicted to drugs, you know, that they feel like uh, they, apparently the generational wealth only lasts three generations. Like that's the average. Mm. That's because the kids get lazy and, they, you know, yeah. they get lazy and lazier because there's, you know, they're, they're spoon fed. Yeah. essentially so i think that's very admirable like the fact that despite like you coming from a privileged background you want to do good and you want to you know use your platform to bring good thank yeah you. you have my respect thank you <laughs> i think going back to the perception of politicians i think it's kind of valid to be fair and i don't yeah. i don't think i think it was like that before covid as well because yeah I think a lot of the times people who get into politics get into it for the wrong intentions. They don't get into it to do good, but rather to just have power and have status. Um, because the actual job title of a politician is a public servant, but which politician actually acts as a public servant? I, I don't know. I think that I, I think that's a. I think that's an ignorant thing to say. I think there's loads of politicians and MPs that. Um, do serve people like I, I, think, I think you can say like <clears throat> on the whole politicians possibly like aren't as i don't have like intention at heart the best but there is a lot of mps and like local lower level activists that are in it for the right reason yeah i, I agree not well, everyone like, your father is your father's a politician he's a great that's politician. exactly what i was about to say yeah. not everyone obviously but i think a lot of politicians Especially the really high-level politicians are not in it for the right reasons. Wally, but I could, I could I could counter what you just said with applying that to a lot of different roles. Some people get into the police force to, you could say, for the wrong reasons mm. or anything. Just think of any yeah, job in, in the pharmaceutical. Pharmaceutical. Also, there's. You make a very good point. There's a book called a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. Oh yeah, yeah. I've read yes, it. and it talks about availability bias. Sometimes we think that. Politicians are the most corrupt because that's the information available to us. But when you look at pharmaceutical companies and other companies that we, you know, we don't have the evidence and information about, like banks, you know, like banks eh, and pharmaceutical companies are like yes, horrendous. They, they, they own the world. HSBC had literally mafias <clears throat> doing banking with them. And do you know none of them got prison time? They got exposed for it. They apologized publicly, and no, no one got any like zero prison time. It is crazy what Zero people like, time. exploit and corrupt. Yeah. yeah. My friend from New York was telling me that um, like a pack of paracetamol in America is like $14. That's crazy. Like she couldn't even believe it that we can get it for like less yeah. than a pound. Do you know the, the treatment my dad got like uh, in UK, of course, NHS is free. Yeah. 
in America, it cost him 10 grand. Really? 10 grand. They were like, oh, let's do more scans scans just to be safe. And they're like, oh, you know, it could be this just to be safe. So we are very lucky, like politicians that are doing something right in this country to, you know, that we have free healthcare, to an extent free education. Um, And a lot of, like, I think UK is doing bits in a lot of regards. Of course, this government, the government also has many flaws. And speaking of flaws in the government, the current Tories government, what what's your what do you think they're not doing right, and why do you think Labour are the favourite to basically take over essentially? Um, well, I don't. So I mean, first of all, like austerity's been going on for like thirteen, fifteen years. I think that that's horrendous. I think it does terrible things. It has done terrible things to the country. Um, Can I just ask yeah. what what does it mean when someone says austerity? What is like the definition of that? Austerity is basically, um, it's like, it's economic, so it's reducing tax. And it's like the idea of Thatcherism, which is basically like individ- being very individualistic. Like the money that you earn concerns yourself and right. you're not really responsible for other people. So it's like lower taxes, m- less spending on public sector, um, which obviously like it has, po- it has some positive um consequences like it um lowers government debt um but you know like it does a lot of bad things too and i think the state that the nhs is in i think the state that state schools are in um like is an outcome of that um i think what what he was saying about like politicians being corrupt i think that the tory party is disgustingly corrupt like if you look at the amount of by-elections we've had since last general election i don't know how many it is exactly but is like a crazy number. I think it must be like 10 or 12 now of, it's like a by-election happens when um, an MP like basically has to resign and the amount of scandals of Tory MPs, like my constituency at home was a Tory MP um, until 2021 and he got caught watching porn in Parliament so I had to resign. Oh, I heard about MP. that. That was my constituency. No it's way. crazy. What, what the hell? Yeah, and he was a farmer and hell? he was caught watching tractor porn. <laughs> wait, 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 Apparently, <laughs> hold on, hold on. No, no, no. <laughs> What's that? What's Apparently, that? he looked up Dominator Combine Harvester. Do you know what a Combine Harvester? What? Is? I know what a Combine Harvester so is. So a Dominator is basically a big Combine Harvester, right? And obviously, he clicked on like some weird page that got him to like a Dominatrix. I imagine. Um. So anyway, so he came. He oh, said, "Was that the excuse he used?" No, he did actually look up Dominator Combine. But so this is so. First of all, he was like. Yeah, like, it was a mistake. I looked it up and ended up on porn. But he was like, but then I went back a second time knowing what I was oh. looking up. That is... Yeah, <laughs> oh, is that really... the standard of MPs these days, bro? But, like... So what I'm trying to tell you guys, you don't there's, listen. There's just been another Tory MP that, like, got caught of rape, I'm pretty sure. Like, it's literally genuinely countless, countless. Really? And, yeah, it is. It's terrible. Like, the amount of by-elections that have been called, and that's... That's not even... That's the ones that have been, like, proven guilty as well. Mm. Like, there's so much shit that went on with the ministers during COVID that... That Partygate thing, yeah. You know, taxpayers paid for Boris Johnson's court case against Partygate. So him saying, I'm not guilty. 
he got found guilty, yet we still paid all his, his fees to, for that court case. It was like 200 grand. Mm, and like, mad. we're literally paying to defend someone that was found guilty. Do you know what's even crazier? Like, the general public, their, I think, view of Boris Johnson isn't even as, as bad as it should be. No, people, it's not. People actually think, oh, he's a harmless idiot. Yeah, he's honest. At least he's honest. Yeah. Look, like, okay, he, yeah, he might be honest, but I don't think he is. But let's just say, for argument's sake, he is an honest guy. He's still an idiot. Yeah. 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 Bro, some of these politicians get away with saying the maddest things. Like, they do. Nigel Farage is going on, I'm a celebrity, get me oh, out yeah, of here. Oh, yeah, I heard. But so did uh, Matt Williamson. How? Matt Hancock. Matt Hancock. Hancock. Yeah. He, was on, he was on last year. No, but year. Nigel Farage, to me, is crazy. Like, this guy is an outward islamophobe like anti-immigration yeah. so is Clear, boris johnson clearly Did racist call, like muslim people letterboxes yeah he said like, hijabi women look yeah. like letterboxes yeah, but, like, but imagine saying that about like any other group that wasn't muslims like i don't think that would run to be honest if that kind of racism was being spouted at any other group it's just um, double standards isn't it bro it yeah is. Exactly. even with the covid thing like you know he wasn't following the guidelines Himself. Matt Hancock. Yeah, no. he wasn't. Not not just that guy, Boris as well himself. Yeah, but yeah. To be honest, they mis yeah. mismanaged that so badly. So badly. And, and I'm not gonna lie, like I hear a lot of people saying, Oh, they were just doing their best, like no one knew what to do, wh whatever, but they handle it so poorly and now there's a report come out that shows how handily they yeah. uh, how badly they handled it. And mm. when I used to speak to people about this, like when COVID was happening. They used to be like, oh, nah, like, they know what they're doing. They're trying their best, but they really weren't. To well, if they were, if their, best their best is shit. That's what I was going to say. If <laughs> that is their is best, shit. then, they, yeah, we're in trouble. But that's the thing. They've got none of them have any common sense. They're all eaten, born and bred. They've oh. all had privilege their whole <laughs> life. Like, Surely there's some good conservative. No, no. Yeah, I'm sure. But not, not, not on no ministers, I don't think, are any decent in the Tory party. There are MPs that, like... I agree with on some of their stuff, but ministers, why that literally so many of them are from Eton. You know, Rishi Sunak, like to do a car advert or something about petrol, had to borrow someone's car because his car was so fancy. He had to borrow someone's <sighs> car to like look like the people's person, like the people's prime minister. Like they just don't get it. And it's like they've got no common sense because they've never even had to have common sense. They've mm. never even had to use it. And that's, that's why they handle COVID so badly. I think it's there's a crazy figure that like if they'd called a lockdown two weeks before when they did, it would have saved like 30,000 lives. And they were literally told by advisors to call yeah, it two weeks. That, that's, that's the most annoying part. Like people don't understand. They were getting good advice. They just weren't listening to yeah, it. Yeah, because they don't have common sense. I remember sense. that, yeah. With, do, Shabazz yes. probably spoke to you about it because Shabazz, my brother, was really on it. Like he was researching things, like watching videos. Like even he could tell like what to do and these high level politicians with like the best advisors and everything couldn't. Like, They're concerned with money. But yeah, the thing is exactly. they, they chase short term money and then they learn the hard way in the long that, term in exactly. the long term right you know they were that, mocking like Italy and stuff saying oh they've had to lock down yeah. because of a cold and things I like remember that I remember in the f initial stages of lockdown like our government were like oh they went into lockdown but we're still open and then yeah, surprise like, surprise about yeah. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it was yeah. insane that I, I was at um, a Labour Party National Conference in uh, October 
And I went to a really good talk and they described Tory policy as, um, like the Labour Party's always called it like a plaster policy. So it's like the wound's already there and they just put a plaster on top of it. Like they don't actually treat the wound. They just try and cover it up. The symptoms essentially. Yeah, but it's a really interesting way of thinking about politics. So they were basically, do you remember when I spoke to you about it? And it, like, relates really well to, like, um, dealing with, like, uh, sexual assault and rape cases where it's very, um, (coughs) it's very passive and reactionary. So it's like, there's a problem. Um, The stats are in front of you. How are we going to deal with it? Okay, we're going to have, like, domestic abuse shelters, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas that's not actually dealing with the cause of a problem. And that's what the Tories have done for so long that it's, first of all, costs us an absolute fortune and second of all it's just not very effective and none of their policy looks long term their ideas of like I think their ideas of having you know after covid like this is just a small example but kids that were struggling um over the lockdowns because they had to do like online tutoring can then have like um like kids that didn't have access to laptops and stuff so like weren't actually learning or had shit home lives so couldn't actually learn they're like oh now we're going to give them tutoring like for an hour a week on the side where it's like the kids in the first place shouldn't have had to like not have access to a laptop for education in those circumstances so it's like to me I, I just thought it was a really good way of describing like politics as a whole and I'm, I'm sure there's some Labour Party policy as well that's very reactionary but like precautionary policy and politics I think is what we need to move to because it's like long term saves lives and also costs way less and there's a lot I feel like there's a lot you can do as well that's like looks to the future and it's less like stick a plaster on it yeah I have a question um under whose so under Tory or Labour government which government was it that said we were likely to go into private healthcare and move away from free, essentially, NHS? I can't remember who it was. I, I don't think anyone's openly said that. I because think they did, though. I did think I, I remember hearing what, about recently? it. Recently? No, I, I don't know it was if it like was recent. Years ago, I thought they said yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. privatise well, well, NHS. So Boris Johnson was getting slated for that because he was, he was labelled as this guy who's trying to bring in private healthcare. But he, I'm pretty sure, denied that he was going to do that or that that was going to happen because they were bringing in like policy through the back door, kind of like working on it to make it happen. But I don't think they publicly said that they were going to do it. I'm pretty sure because that that would instantly lose them so many votes. Mm. Like no one's voting for you if you say you're going to do that. I mean, thank God for the NHS, to be honest. I think that's probably one of the greatest things that you know, the UK does. Oh, yeah, 100%. Labour government brought it in. I I think monetising healthcare is genuinely one of the worst things you can do. So immoral. Do you know why that's a bad thing? Because then it's in the government's best interest for you to be ill. Yeah, literally, they profit off of it. Literally, as we've seen in America, Kashal, those pharmaceutical companies... They give Xanax the craziest stuff. They want you to be sick so that they can sell you their products. Exactly. It's so exploitative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They got 10k off my dad. (laughs) (laughs) He's got fixing a couple meat, like... Two appointments in the UK, zero money. Yeah, you have to pay money to give birth in America. Bro, well get an ambulance. Yeah. It's like 30,000. Get an Uber to the hospital, bro. Uh, There's something <laughs> wrong, just get an Uber. Just get an Uber. Yeah, bro. Some people probably genuinely have to do that, I reckon. Like, 
the ambulance comes and they're like, nah, listen, nah, I'd yeah, rather risk my it. life. Yeah. yeah, Even death is expensive. The coffin, like I have a funeral, it's like 10 yeah, but that's everywhere. To be fair, it's it? expensive that's here, man. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying in general. Very expensive yeah. to you know, die. Even death is expensive. Imagine, bro. <laughs> Imagine you died. Okay, pay me five grand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That is crazy. So, let's say you became prime minister. Yeah. Cheers. Tomorrow. <laughs> And you had like some sort of ultimate power to make three changes, instant changes. What changes would you make to the UK? Mm. Putting her on the spot here, Wally. <laughs> it's okay. You can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the first one is, me and Wally have spoken about this a lot, is that I would get um, private schools to pay, ta- to pay VAT, to pay tax. Because at the moment... No. That's Under the mad. current tax system, private schools are deemed as charities, That's and they're crazy. literal businesses that like are making serious profit. And sorry, did pay. I just hear you say under the current tax yeah. rules, private schools are yeah charities? Well, yeah, they're the under. Why, why is this in place? Because I think it's to do with like. So I think there's a few excuses they make for it that like if you say private schools take like three um, scholarship or bursary students. So like people who can't afford to go to the private school who get like scholarships to go for So I think they get away with it that way. And I also think they get away with it. It's like that thing like should education is there to be education like they're not businesses, but they are businesses. So, yeah, private schools don't pay tax in the UK. So on the private school thing, how I found this out as well was through Honey that they don't pay tax. Um, so our initial argument was she thought private schools should be abolished. Completely. I still do. But you think private schools should be abolished? 100%, but I just know it will never get voted in and it's a bit extreme. But I don't agree with that because I think the option should be there for people to go to private school if they want to. I completely disagree. Like, for example, if you had the money to give your child the best food in the world you would just because someone else can't afford to give their children the best food in the world okay but wally this is not a nice thing to say I, i i understand his point but here's what i'll say often the private school education is nowhere near as good as grammar school education i would i would bet my life that the best grammar school in the uk has better education than the best private school in the uk probably um, it, i think maybe. the argument the, i was but 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 the the thing is i don't think that choice should be taken away from people let's say your kid can't get into grammar school because they are very competitive yeah i don't think that choice should be taken away from you but my thing is that in an ideal world private schools would be redundant and then this vat thing becomes really interesting if you take 20 percent tax off private schools and use that to fund state schools they will start to catch up to the private schools to a point where people won't really have the need to send their kids to private schools. But right now, I just don't see why you would take that choice away from someone who wants to make it. So you it. do agree in the end with private schools being abolished? Cause I just don't, being made redundant. Yeah, I, but I don't think that private schools should be abolished with the current state of state schools. Like, I 100% think that state schools need to be in a way better place before you would abolish private schools. But also what you said about, like, oh, it's a choice and 
if I've got money, then I should choose to give my kid technically a better education. That's like the most horrible thing. I think that is such a horrible Why? mindset, Ronnie. Why? Because that's so selfish and like self-centered that like, oh yeah, just because you have enough money to send your kid to technically, say they do get a better education, to get a better education, that's horrible. Why? Like what Why? about honey, other people? Honey, can I just ask though? Yeah. I do, I do, like, I understand like yeah. we have to care about other people, but... Do you not think that some people should use all the tools at their disposal, i.e. if someone's from a privileged background, they should use their privilege, right, to, I don't know, better themselves, if you know what I mean. I think I feel like that's kind of like... Not at the detriment point. of others. Of, of course, course not. But, yeah, but of course not at the going detriment. Going to a private school doesn't detriment others. It's like you're but saying... We, we should all go and eat at food banks just because other people eat at I'm food banks. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there shouldn't be someone that has to use a food bank while yeah. somebody else is eating the, the best food ever. Yeah, there shouldn't have to be. Like, I think you are part of the problem by sending your kid to a private school. It means that another kid who could actually really do with being in like a smaller class setting, having more like time one-on-one, -on -one, is stuck in a class of 35 kids and literally falling behind. Why I would... I genuinely think that's like such a bad mindset. Why would someone sending their kid to private school make that happen though? Because I'm saying you're being part of the problem. No, but why, why, if I send my kid to private school, why does that mean another kid would have to be in a bigger classroom? Surely, if you're thinking about it rationally, it would actually mean the opposite because there's less kids in state schools. So there would be smaller classrooms in state schools. If everyone was in state schools right now, the current state schools, like there wouldn't be enough space in them. There'd be bigger classrooms. They'd be more crowded. I think what she's trying to say is that, let's say, we only had state schools and all the funding went towards state schools, then the, the standard overall for everyone would go, like the, it would become more even ground. I think that's the point she's but trying to make. And then I of course think, they can implement. I think that would make sense if state schools got government funding, but they don't. That's why I think... State schools do have government funding. Uh, I, private right. schools, sorry. They do have some government funding. Yeah, but come on, that's not going to make a massive difference. I, I think the actual solution would be to make private schools pay tax. Yeah, well, and I agree with you with that tax fund state schools and make them better. Surely if you abolish private schools... But I never I, said I'd want to abolish private schools with the state schools in the current way that they are. But then why is someone sending their kids to a private school a problem? Surely that because, solves nothing, not sending okay, your so kids to private schools. I think, she, I think she's saying it will only exacerbate the existing issue, right? Sending your kid to private school. But I do have to, I have to agree with what you're saying. I do agree with your point that Sending your own child to private school is not going to make some other kid worse off. Fair enough. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But I do, I don't like the mentality of it. I don't like the idea of like, oh, like, I've got enough money, so I'm going to ship my kid off. And I'm going to make sure that they're in a little bubble and they don't get to see anybody that might not be able to afford private school. It's like, I would never want my child to go to a school where only a certain level of family income can let you go there. Like, what a close-minded, sad like education I think like I think kids would thrive in a school where you see like people from all different backgrounds 
all different household <coughs> income. It would make people better people. It would make people way more open-minded rather than going in a class of 15 kids where their mum and dad earns like a fucking fortune and tax avoids. Like, I just think it's like <laughs> such a, like, it breeds such an unhealthy like class division. And I really like so disagree no, with the I, I think No, I think that is quite a valid point. That, but yeah, for most, most people, the intention is not to keep their kids in a bubble. It's to give them the best I don't know. Chance I think some life. people are like... Some people, but not for most people. I think that's just, that's just a, an unfortunate side effect of sending your child to like a place like a private school, like a boarding school, yeah. for example. They, they are going to be in a bubble, really. Mm. Exactly. I don't think it makes well-rounded. That's why I've... No. I've and it's a massive risk. Let's say if there's someone that they're like, okay, you know what? Let me just send my... Like, let's say you're very well off, right? And the state school in your local area is very poor. I mean, like, they got crazy fail rate. Your kid is not going to do as well. Yeah. So there is, like, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, right? Unless, like, the government decides from, like, top down that, okay, we're abolishing private schools and then we're going to fund state schools to the level, like, they were gonna, they were funding mm. private schools and all the funding basically goes towards, like, that would be the ideal. Yeah. I do agree with you, actually, in, in, in terms of that, like, the idea would be that state schools, the, the quality becomes level with the private school, that we don't even need private school. That's what I said. Make private schools redundant yeah. by making the quality of state schools better. Because I completely I, agree. I don't think any child should be disadvantaged by their socioeconomic background because I think that is the biggest hindrance to people when pursuing a better quality of life. Well, then you need to take back what you said earlier. But, but think what? of but saying like, if I can afford to give my kid the best food, then I'm gonna gonna give. Why wouldn't you need? Why yeah, wouldn't I don't. Here's, okay. I, why is that a problem? Because right. I I don't I don't know if. Let's say, just because you can afford it, people. Just because you can afford it, I don't think you need the tip top, like the best of the best. No, I'm not saying like a Michelin star, but I'm saying like I'm gonna give him healthy food. Like I'm gonna invest yeah, exactly. in my kid's education. If he needs tutoring, I'm gonna provide him with tutoring, so he stands the best chance in succeeding, so he can help others. That doesn't mean automatically yeah, just so because he's getting really good education and everything else that he's gonna have negative values. I'm gonna get him the good education, so he has good well, values. To hope so. so Sorry? Yeah, you but you can't assume the former. You can't assume that yeah, just because they're going to this place, they're, they're going to just, but, you know, turn into yeah, one of true, those people yeah, that stick up their ass. No, you true, can't, you can't just true. presume that. True. See, good values for a politician. She can change her mind. Yes. <laughs> well done. You know what? Well, and she can have well. tough discussions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Have you taken that back? <laughs> um, okay, do you want to move my second thing? Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah so, one, conclusion, so. private schools are Great. Let's <laughs> <laughs> Outcome of a private school. <laughs> um, second thing is, um, oh yeah, I'd um, do a five pound charge on making appointment, doctor's appointments and dentist appointments in the NHS. Um, because I think there's like a mindset problem in the UK um by like our generation even older that can't even like imagine a country where we don't have the nhs and i think people exploit it so badly i think the nhs there's a crazy figure that like it loses it's either a million pounds a day or a million pounds a week in missed appointments and it's terrible and i think it's i think it's a mindset thing of people taking it for granted they're like oh, like, I've got a bit of a cough, I'm just going to go to the doctor. Or, like, 
oh, it doesn't matter if I miss that appointment, like I'm busy that day, I won't, I won't bother to call. And I think that mindset is so unhealthy in people. So yeah, I think uh, the Tories actually spoke about it a couple of years ago about doing this charge for making appointments. So if you do turn up to your appointment, you get the five pounds back. But if you don't, you lose the five pounds. And although it would like economically help the NHS a lot, I also think like mentally as a mindset shift, it would make people actually value what we have. And I think, like, if I speak to my grandparents about the NHS, they're literally like, oh my God, it's like the best thing ever. Like, can you believe, like, how amazing we are as a country to have this? Like, we literally have one of the best healthcare systems in the world and it's free. I but I, I don't, I think if you speak to a pretty average, not that active, like, not that interested in politics kid, if you, like, speak to them about it a lot, I think then they realise, oh yeah, like, yeah, we are really lucky. But I don't think the majority of people have that at the forefront of their mind. And I think that that's something that we need to educate people about. And I think, like, making people value a service would stop people exploiting it. Because I think the amount... Like, of course, everyone's... There's always going to be someone that exploits the system. There's always going to be. But, like, the amount the NHS is, is exploited... Like, that figure that we're losing a million pounds a week, say on missed appointments is like disgusting i think that is shameful i can't disagree with anything you said to yeah. be honest yeah. it makes Same. sense it's really it... easy to take it for granted it is i think it really is yeah like oh i've got a bit of a cough i'm gonna go to the doctor it's like really do you actually it, need it's like it? what dr fiona told us apparently that is a consequence of the breakdown of the nuclear family like you'd have a grandmother in the house who would tell you like no you're just a bit ill you don't need to go to the doctors but now we don't have that because families are so broken up like yeah uh, there's so many single parents and young parents they just send their kids to the doctors and go to the doctors themselves whenever they're a bit ill and it increases the burden i think people just forget like how good we have it and yeah so i i don't know i feel like that's a minor thing but i i don't know i feel like it would change like i would think it would have like a mental shift i'd hope because I think part of the reason that our NHS is so based, that it's just fucked as a system is partly people's like mindsets to it. I think it's these little. I don't. I don't think it's little, but I think it's these implementable policies. I think that make a real difference. Yeah, like, this is very doable. And yeah, I, paying yeah. a five pound charge on an appointment. Yeah. Like I would so do that because I know I'm going to turn up to yeah, it. Yeah, and this. this so especially if it's refundable if you go to yeah, the that's exactly. what I you get mean. your money back you get yeah. your money yeah. back and you if it, if you don't turn up it goes towards a good cause yes exactly. yeah you know there's I, I, it's a win-win situation in my so opinion. essentially it's in your best interest to turn up to your appointment and if 100%. you and if you don't as you said it's going to a, a yeah. yeah and i think cause. i feel like it's like you know when you make a dinner reservation and you like actually have to put a deposit down for the table you're like i feel like you think oh it's like a really good restaurant like it's a serious uh, thing. I'm going to turn up. That's smart. That's smart. Like, I'm actually going to turn up. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's like that kind of mentality. And then I think like doctors would be treated better and people wouldn't take the piss and be rude. So, and that's a Tory policy that I agree with. And it's kind of got hidden Ooh. now, but <laughs> I feel like it's kind of got hidden now. And I never know. I can't really remember what Labour said about it, but I think that'd be like a really brilliant um, policy. Should we go back to the problem you had with grammar schools that you mentioned earlier? Because I was interested oh, in this. I've never. That's a tough question. I've never heard someone say they've got a problem with grammar schools. We did you I go mean, to grammar school? No. No. Okay. Did you go to? I, I did for seven years. What state? 
Uh, yeah, stay. So my view of grammar schools would be quite biased because I didn't have good experience. Um, so I'm not going to speak in general terms. This is very, like, what I, the flaws I found with it, right? Um, like, it, grammar schools are considered to be, like, you know, like, equal opportunity. The smarter you are, you basically get based, you get in based on your results, right? But that that is not quite even because the kids that are getting in, right, are all privileged. They're getting the best tuitions. They're getting, you know, they got access to the best resources. So there wasn't this great diversity to the grammar school I went. And also it's very toxic and competitive because every, I don't know, the culture was that if you were struggling, mm-hmm. the teachers will really put it on you and they're going to put extra, extra pressure on you. Yeah. Where like I told my teachers that, yo, I'm going through trauma, I'm going through depression. I need some time off. And they were like, oh, yeah, we care about your mental health. But I would miss a day or even though I would provide a reason, yeah. the next day they would call me into office. So although like they would tell me that, oh, it's all good. Mm-hmm. But when I was then struggling, there was it was basically kind of virtue signaling. You could say, oh, we care about your mental health. But when it actually came to caring, when, when I was missing days and I was literally going through PTSD, when every other day I would be thinking about go back home and I would be like, I would hear a firework and I would think of, you know, Swat Valley and just a tr- very dark period of my life, right? And these teachers, some, some of them were supportive, I'm generalizing. They, they cared a lot about what grades I was going to get because they want to rank well because it's, I'm guessing it's because it's funded by the government, they need to do well. Maybe they got some level of standards. I, I don't know what it is with grammar schools but they're hyper-competitive. Combat- I think they're just they're, competitive in nature. They're hyper-hyper-competitive. And another, what, like one of the things I just noticed in the students is that they would like conserve their knowledge, that they wouldn't want to share it with anyone. Uh, th- like is- they would be get very greedy about it. Like, oh, like, I don't want to tell you about these resources because you're going to get ahead of me or you're going to increase the grade boundaries. So it's like this closed mind, uh, close, uh, this narrow, narrow thinking I just found it very, very yeah, toxic. I've heard that about grammar schools that the kids like it's proper, true. like true. gatekeep and don't like share uh, resources and notes and stuff like that. To me, that is crazy. It's because know, like, it's because they see everyone as competition, yeah. not as a teammate. Yeah. But okay, I've got I've got a few bones to pick with you about what you just said about oh. grammar schools because I'm I'm more on the I like grammar school side. So the first bit that you mentioned about people in grammar schools are privileged I agree with you on that because in order to get into a grammar school you have to have had access to tuition and stuff like that I I agree like you do have to be somewhat privileged to attend a grammar school so yes but I do still think that it uh, people from all kinds of backgrounds do tend to go into grammar schools maybe it was just the one that you attended it's area dependent of course of course course. but i do agree with that i think it's still better than private schools because someone you still have a chance if you're a really smart guy from a very poor background you still have that chance to get definitely this is why i rate grammar school definitely and i think it's great in general because you get in based on merit yep not not on not on money yeah not not, not on money unless it's like, less, less, right? I mean, less, the thing is, it's indirectly related to money because, like I said, the, the, most of the people are getting their tuitions. Their yeah. parents can afford the best of the best tutors. My parents, like, tutored me like crazy to try and get me into grammar school. Mm-hmm. And I still couldn't. <laughs> Whereas my sister then, like, barely had any tuition and got in. So I guess, like, you can tutor someone until they get in, but I guess then they get to the grammar school and, like, can't keep up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Also, also, other thing. I was going to address your second point. You said it was really toxic and competitive. Yeah. I've got a, like one thing to inform you. That's what life life is like. That I think grammar school set you up perfectly for life. Tell me of one one time in your life, right? Let's say you're going to go out in life. You're going to apply for a job. It's competitive. It is toxic, right? Grammar school set you up for all that shit. Uh, I agree with you to an extent, but the, the, where I disagree with you is when I was in St. George's, right, which is a private school, man, the collaborative work was beautiful. Like we all share resources with each other. We helped each other, you know, and we all improved. We all got sick grades because of that. Yeah. We can like, just because my friend is going to do better, if I share resources with him and he gets an A star, that doesn't mean, oh, he's going to increase the grade boundaries to an extent. Sure, but you're being, you're being too that, idealistic. I think, I think it's too individualistic. Like this individualism that, or like me sharing knowledge with others. Knowledge is meant to be shared. We are meant to improve together. We, it's meant to be collaborative. Oh, you're a communist. I'm not a communist. <laughs> I just... Like, fuck, fuck the labels. Literally, fuck the labels. Why, why is everything given a label? It's about, like, we, we have worked together. Yeah. When, when, when is a, has there been a negative competition among us? Bro. No. Healthy competition. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for healthy competition. We shouldn't normalize toxic competition. We shouldn't normalize it. But I know, I, I, I know I think, yes, it's think, reality. And I'm not trying to be idealist. You need to be able to deal with toxic competition. I totally agree with that. That could be one of the pluses of it, right? I wouldn't change my experience for a thing. What I experienced, the toxic competition I experienced at that school was beneficial because now I know the importance of healthy competition. I think the, the key takeaway, I guess, is know when to be competitive and with who you should be competitive with. But you also have to be that person who can collaborate and work well in the team. I feel like that's maybe where grammar schools are lacking. They don't really encourage teamwork, you could say. Mm. At, at the end of the day, and I remember having a teacher tell me this when I was there. They would literally say, by the way, everyone in this room is your competition. So like, they didn't, they didn't really? essentially say don't share notes or anything. It wasn't like that. But they basically said it's in your best interest to do as well as you can because the person next to you might increase the grade boundaries. Do you get it? That's, and and that, is, that, that is toxic, right? Yeah. I agree, It's also toxic. silly, like, one person next to you is not... No, no, but... It's, maybe it's, that's it's, the it's, nature... The, maybe that's an issue with, like, grey boundaries, it, though, even, as a system. Like, maybe if grey boundaries were, like, set a bit, like, uni is, then people... Like, it wouldn't be as toxic, and then it actually would be a really good... <clears throat> even if your whole year does well, that's not going to significantly increase the grade boundaries. So I really think that is just such a silly way of I think that's it. just their way of saying yeah, just is. do as well as you can yeah, yeah. but it creates that toxic yeah. Just, yeah they should be like why Why you come I mean th there is that level of comparison involved and comparison is a thief of joy you should they should really emphasize that you're on your own journey try your best right because then we're getting into this thing that oh like if your grades are less than him he's better than you yeah that I shouldn't think be the case. You, you shouldn't be to, reducing down people down to letters and pe you, on piece of paper. You do need to compare to get better, I think, though, to a certain extent. Because if, let's say, all you're getting is uh, like C's and D's, but you're happy with that because all you've seen, that's all you've seen your whole life. And you think you're giving your 100%. You're getting these grades, you're passing, you're all good. But then you see the next guy who's getting like B's and A's and you're like, what's he doing? Let me learn off him and get better. 
because like it's possible to get these grades initially i thought it wasn't possible so yeah. i think to an extent comparison is good because it lets us see that like there's other possibilities and outcomes but it's how you use it it's genuinely how you use the comparison if you let it get if you let it get to you in a negative way then comparisons can be a horrible thing yes and i want there to be a culture that let's say you're the smarter guy with the a's and b's or the a stars right that you're willing to share and help me help lift me up and i'm not trying to like wish your downfall that oh he's getting high me and i get all jealous because that's what i experienced yeah. You know, if you're doing better than someone else, like they would get, they would think <laughs> some way about it. Like, how is my success taking anything away from yours? Yeah, exactly. Right? But, like I said, I think competition is important as I long agree. as it's healthy competition. Healthy competition is necessary. I don't but, think it's actually necessary. But, as, as I said before, you're not going to go through life and only see healthy competition. That's why I feel like if you attend a grammar school, it's good that you're being exposed to this toxic culture almost because then. You won't be as, I guess. Uh, it can uh, corrupt you, though. It's sheltered. a double-edged sword. Of Either course. you come out of it like enlightened, or you're like, okay, these are the rules I play by. Otherwise, I'm not going to succeed. It's like yeah. maybe, it's, maybe it might be the same thing with politics. That I have to be extra Machiavellian, right, and fuck people over in order to get to power. Yeah, and you are playing like that. that game. See, this is very unfortunate. Why can't it be collaborative? That we are one nation, well, right? Like... And the overall goal is f- to. For all of us to improve, you know that. But that's, that's but that's that's an ideal that I think yeah. we should all aspire to yeah. be. But it's an ideal. Yeah. But it's we're not I- aspiring to be. I think to be a realist is to also be an idealist. You you must you must value well, idealism. Well, yeah, you utopia. must aspire to something. No, no, I'm not talking about utopia. I'm not. The, the world is never going to be a heaven. I'm not saying that, bro. But we should aspire to be great. Yeah, and I, just, I think I, I agree with that. We we need to be able to dare to see a future that is different and that is better we can't just accept that things will be like how they are now yeah. and that's all but uh, we we also need to in the meantime play within the constraints we have given and beat the game to then change the game in the end in my opinion um but it takes a lot and it takes like incredible leadership which i don't think we have right now so yeah yeah, Basically. I can't disagree with that, to be honest. What do you think about hiring? So people who hire in a role, for example, what do you think about hiring and giving essentially preferential treatment to people who are, I don't know, a specific gender, specific race or a specific socioeconomic background? Because the the issue, I guess, with that comes, you're not hiring you know, who do, in terms of who does the best performance or who's the most qualified, you're just hiring now to fill some sort of racial or gender ar- arbitrary, yeah. yeah, some quota, which like, I, I think that's a valid, you know, argument, you know, I, I feel like you shouldn't hire based on a person's gender or race, just hire them based on who's the best for the role. So for me, I, I understand why people say that we should do that to like level the playing field. But I don't think that is the step where the playing field should be leveled. I think the most qualified person should be hired to do the job. Yeah. I think the playing field needs to be leveled way before then. In terms of opportunity, as you said. They, opportunity, education. Should, definitely. definitely. And yeah. I think I, I, I would maintain that. I think everyone needs to have equal opportunity. And when you give everyone equal opportunity, 
you'll see that the outcomes will be different. Not everyone's going to have, there won't be equal outcomes yeah. when you give people equal opportunities because people make different life decisions. You I, won't have to force diversity for no, the sake of diversity, no, no. right? It's like people trying to force equality. In, in Like, for example, let's say, a lot of people, people say, oh, men and, uh, men and women are equal. Yes, inherent value is worth as a human being. Yes, we're equal, right? Um, but we are we the same biologically? No. No, we're not. We've got different needs. So we need to build systems that's going to basically... Accommodate. Uh, accommodate to strengths and weaknesses, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and just having equality for the sake of equality, this word equality, actually creates more inequality. I might have strengths. Well, pe- people say we need equity, not equality. So people say that equality is not enough. We, we actually need to uh, elevate this people from disadvantaged backgrounds. Um, I would agree with that. Level. I would agree with that. Do you think? Like, I, the, I think to an extent, but I don't think in the hiring process. But, I think. Well, so, I mean, but by, that's. But then, if you're doing it in the hiring process, you're doing it at the cost or expense of someone who's more qualified not getting the role and that's detrimental yeah exactly. you know what were you well, gonna, what do you think honey um so originally i would have said that i like completely agree with positive discrimination like hiring people to fit quotas and like i still do kind of believe it but just more as like a temporary thing because i do think that although we can like although i can 100% agree that that there should be a level level playing field from the start so that eventually it would just ordinarily be a diverse workplace. But I think in order to get over like prejudice and generations that are stuck in prejudice, I think that there has to be a temporary form of filling quotas. Like for example, in the Labour Party, um, on your exec committee half of the roles have to be filled by women and also um if you're sending delegates to conference every other year it has to be a woman and I think things like that I know full fact that I wouldn't have gone to my first conference if I hadn't been a woman like I know that I literally was sent to my first conference because I was the only woman that wanted to go and because it had to be a woman that year and I'm like actually kind of fine with I know that I probably was wouldn't have been voted the person to go and I know I probably wasn't the best person to go for that but I'm like fully fine with the fact that I only went because I was a woman because I feel like now it gave me that step and I think if I hadn't have gone that first time I probably wouldn't have continued to go and so I think that for that first hurdle for people to get over and be like oh like I doubted I doubted that she'd that she'd actually succeed in that role and she has i think it gets over that first hurdle Mm. yeah i I guess i guess for like younger girls as well seeing other women represented yeah yeah it makes it more welcoming and i think that's the argument that i think a good counter argument would be that if you're a woman and you're you know i guess applying for a role you walk into the office in during the interview and then you just see a bunch of you know, old guys Yeah, that would literally, I can understand why that would kind of discourage you from even wanting to be there because you, there's no one there who you can relate to. Yeah. And in general, like you might feel like, Oh shit, I'm going to be a bit of a victim here. If you yeah, know what I mean? To the side. Yeah. Mm. So I, I do understand like why some people might make the case that they, you should hire, you know, to fill quotas. But 
I don't know. I, I feel like it's a bit of a techie situation, this one. It is, yeah. but I do think it's like a generational shift. Like, I think it's a temporary measure. And I know with that, you can be like, oh, but like, when do you draw the line? But I think that it, yeah, I think it should be a, a temporary measure to make up for lost time. I think that's a very strong argument because if you want to level the, the, the playing field from the get-go, right, provide equal opportunity when it comes to schooling and have having uh, policies that, you know, account for the minorities, then we actually need... The minorities, the minorities in there. In there. Yes. Exactly, right? and people to, represent. to accept them. You have to, like, give some level of privilege and, like, okay, these guys are not as skilled, but there's a reason for that because they have not had the best education. Does that mean they can't become really good? You know? But also, so, even, with, even with your guys' point that, like, we level the playing field... Is that the right expression? Yeah. We level the playing field out before the hiring process so that when you get to the hiring process it is the best person for the role getting selected say that it's a woman and a man and they're and the woman's actually better suited to the role she should get the role but if the ceo of the company say is actually sexist and he's like oh well she's going to go and have three kids in the next five years probably so she's going to be i'm pretty sure that's that illegal time. i'm pretty sure that it illegal. is but like say that's subconscious in his head yeah like which I genuinely think where I live, 100% there's so many people that think like that. There, there like, definitely will be. But like, say he's got this subconscious prejudice. But, but again... He's probably just going to be like... Oh. Honey, but I think that's that only occurs in a minority of situations. I don't think that that's as common as you might think it is. The whole, like, we're not going to hire this woman because we think that she might have a family but, in a couple But years. you can relate it to race as well. And it's like, you can say that that maybe is not prevalent, but like, why has the Labour Party not had a female leader? Like, is, why are like most companies, women and ethnic minorities, from their percentage of what they make the population up, don't, are not like respective in the company? But that might, okay, that, I'm not saying it's because they're women or whatever, but that might be because maybe they're less suited to the role no not not just that 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 might be a small like a very very small factor but i think there's loads of factors that go into it do you know do women want to go into that first of all you could say yeah they do but there's probably a larger majority of men that want to be in those positions you know time off work for example as you said the whole maternity thing i think there's loads of factors that we're not really like thinking about we're, we're assuming we're assuming that women or make or want to have the same decision making as men. We can't assume that. No, but for example, um, in America, more women than men graduate university with a STEM degree. Right. And look at the stats of how many women are in STEM. But so I've you can't heard, say. I've heard the point made there that it's usually like nursing degrees, and nursing is like overrepresented by women. I don't. I don't. But is these like I don't know if that's true, but that's the point. I'm well, no, what I was is, gonna say is. is that like you can't say that women don't like the reason that there's not loads of women in STEM is because they don't want to be in STEM. Like if if more women are graduating with STEM degrees, then that is going to be. There are gatekeepers. I do agree with you to an extent. Like typically, when a girl like a girls are associated with more like feminine, like humanitarian degrees and all of these, like even though women can make great doctors and. You know, um, there th there are stereotypes and prejudice, prejudice, prejudice. prejudice. Um, like there was study done about the subconscious bias that you're more likely to pick if you're hiring people, you're more likely to pick Muslims, for example, Muslim names, than uh, what you call it, 
um, than white people. You're more because likely. You're more likely. Oh, if you're for, Muslim. If you're a Muslim yourself, yeah. right? Because it's tribalism. Exactly. This, it's that primitive mind that you, they, you these people are more like you. You want to conform. They're going to, uh, you got similar cultural values, you know, similar, yeah, let's say you, how you dress. Do what, you think that, you can extract extrapolate that to gender because I think gender and race. You know, are very you know, different. the UN did a um, study recently. Like it was a really comprehensive global study, and I think it was eight out of ten people, or nine out of ten, I can't remember now, have some kind of prejudice towards women. Does that include women as well, or nine yeah. out of ten? No, no, no men? it includes women. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. Like, I think a lot of, I think, like. Women are quite hateful towards women sometimes. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Neanderthals. Um, thank you so much, honey, for coming on, sharing your views with us. We love your passionate energy. Um, and you brought some very good insights. To the very, podcast. very Thanks good insight. We me. learned so much from you. And we wish you all the best. And if you ever stand for the election, you got <laughs> a vote. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Bye. Love.